This is City AM Unregulated. I'm Emma Hazlitt. On this week's show, it's the man who made fast food healthy, John Vincent, the founder of Leon. And as I was working, I was becoming sort of fatter and fatter and less and less healthy and sleeping less and less well. Um, I was thinking this isn't really, this isn't the, the, the John Vincent I thought <laughs> in my mind was going to exist. So I knew that I had to do something which was going to be better for my uh, well-being. This is Unregulated, City AM's professional development podcast, and I am Emma Hazlitt. On this show, we hear entrepreneurial stories, how to be better at your job, and how to take the next steps in your career. On this week's show, he's an entrepreneur, an author, and he's even dabbled in a bit of politics. It's John Vincent, one of the founders of fast food chain, Leon. I think the trick is to act like water. So, you know, you're, if you're water and you're at the top of the mountain, you don't spend all your time trying to work out how you're going to get to the sea. You just start going down the mountain. He talked about how he came up with the idea, his experiences of trying to help the government make school food healthier. Spoiler, it sounds complicated. And what it felt like when his business partner stepped back. As always, thanks to the teams at Huckletree and White City Place. Take it away. So, John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, I mean, I, I would say most of our listeners know what Leon is, but just for those who might not, would you do me the honour of describing it? Oh, well, bless you. There are lots of people that don't know what Leon is. But um, we, yeah, so we do, in our own minds, we sort of uh, operate a company uh, which does fast food as if God did fast food. That, that, I don't have a Jesus complex, but um, <laughs> that's really how we think about it. Or rather, put, to put it a different way, uh, we think about it as fast food in heaven. We've got 53 restaurants. Uh, they're mostly in the UK. We have three in uh, Holland with a partner, and we are soon going to the United States of America. So um, my fave is Brazilian black bean. Oh, good, rice. good. Big, big fan, big fan of the green Thai curry. What good. What kinds of things? So what do we do? Yeah. Good point. Okay, so we, um, the three or four main categories. So one is the wraps that you've described. Um, no, you haven't described them at all. You've described no, the hot boxes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, why in my head did I think that? So you've described the hot boxes, which yeah. we do with um, uh, brown basmati rice and slaw. So the, it, it, examples you chose, which is the black bean or something like the Moroccan meatballs or the Sicilian mm. chicken meatballs. Yeah. So they broadly follow a kind of Mediterranean diet vibe, right? So it's basically, it's not all Mediterranean, but it really follows the um, sort of low sugar, high good fats, low bad fats, lots of uh, veg and herbs and spices. It follows those sorts of principles. So we've mm-hmm. got the wraps, um, the hot boxes, uh, burgers, so chicken burgers, um, the Korean chicken burger, uh, and soon potentially gluten-free chicken in a kind of GFC oh. style. So that's something which which is coming up. I know some celiacs will be very happy about that. <laughs> um, okay, so I really like the story of how you came up with the idea for Leon because you basically you and your business partner, mm. Henry Dumbleby, mm. sat down and came up with five ideas each. Yeah, and I th- I think this was the one that we were most passionate about. It happened mm-hmm. to be that both of us um, were working at a company called Bain and Company, which I guess some of your listeners may know. Yeah, like it's kind of like it's like like McKinsey, but a bit yeah. better. <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> um, no, we used to spend as an aside. We used to spend half the meeting with new clients saying, "Oh, we're, we're like McKinsey. We're just like McKinsey," and the other half say, "Oh, we're nothing like McKinsey." But anyway, <laughs> so we worked that out. That's not a good strategy. But anyway, um, we um, yeah we. we 
both um, wanted to do something other than Bain. Not that it wasn't an amazing business to be in, but we didn't want to be professional servants, I think, for the rest of our lives. And I think probably a lot of your listeners might be in the same boat in terms of they're either trying to provide services to entrepreneurial businesses or they're trying to be entrepreneurs themselves. Uh, and I think that process of how shall we plot our escape, what tunnels shall we build, um, you know, how do we get the fake moustache so that we're not spotted <laughs> at the border? You know, all of those things that one plots when one's thinking of, of leaving a business and starting a new one, uh, we went through. So Henry and I wrote down five ideas. And the ones, the one that we were individually both most passionate about and the one that happened to be on both of our lists was this idea of reinventing fast food so that it was good food. And that happened to be the same on both of our lists. And so you know, we could easily have said, OK, let's do one of the others. But we just went, OK, let's do that one. And that really, that's how it happened. I think when you speak to a lot of people they're like oh I can't be an entrepreneur because I mm. don't have any ideas mm. but if I think the fact that you guys are like right we want to start a business what are we going to do it's quite an interesting approach yes I think the I people overrate the idea a bit um and often just the doing is what's needed uh, and one of the mantras that I have at Leon at the moment is we have a, a we have a we have a strategic plan it's called doing things mm-hmm. I think that Great people plan. need to just do stuff and um, I'm studying a lot. For, um, uh, it's not a plug, but a little book that I'm writing called Winning Not Fighting based on um, a martial art that uh, I've done for the last three years. I think the trick is to act like water. So, you know, you're, if you're water and you're at the top of the mountain, you don't spend all your time trying to work out how you're going to get to the sea. You just start going down the mountain okay. and then you find your way. You find some ways that are good. You find some ways that are bad and you readjust and go down down the mountain. But I think I think there's a lot to be said for not procrastinating. There's a lot to be said for just starting. Um, and a half good idea, well executed, will beat a good idea not executed any yeah. day. And also, I guess a lot of people come up with ideas that are ideas that people have already had, but they just make them better. Yeah, absolutely. So if I look at my friends who started Innocent, I was at college with Richard Reed, Adam Ballon and John Wright. They actually decided to go into a market where there was already an existing player, but they wanted to do it in their minds better. So PJ mm-hmm. Smoothies actually were very much the forerunner of Innocent, yeah. and they very single-mindedly said, "Look, that's fine. Let's create a. We don't have to. We don't have to create a market. That's done by someone else. Let's just beat them." And they were they're pretty. They were pretty good at doing that. <laughs> um, well, I mean, why? go for healthy food though was that not mm. just like giving yourself a huge obstacle that you had to yeah turns out it yeah. was yeah yeah good well spotted <laughs> i wish we'd known you at the time um so yes it you was just gone for nice fried chicken exactly i think it was creating a huge a huge <laughs> issue um i think for me i'd been studying um a lot around nutrition because i was i was one of these people that was extremely i guess fit in the sense of sporty uh, at school mm-hmm. um and I thought I took that for granted. And as I was working and I was becoming sort of fatter and fatter and less and less healthy and sleeping less and less well. Um, and actually, even at a young age, finding I had bloody high blood pressure in my 20s, I was I was thinking this isn't really this isn't the, the, the John Vincent that I thought <laughs> in my mind was going to exist. So I knew that I had to do something which was going to be better for my uh, well-being and Henry, I think, was in the same camp. So we wanted to do something first and foremost that would would be a great lifestyle. I don't know if that's um, uh, okay to admit, but we wanted a, <laughs> we wanted something which was going to make us uh, happier. Okay. Um, so that was one of the things that really drove us. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it's a kind of a nerdy question. Mm. But how did you go about? So you were like, we've got this great idea. 
How did you go about funding it, like getting some mm. cash? So we step? had each saved um, across the period of being at Bain. We had both saved £20,000. So by you know foregoing certain things, um, not going on quite as expensive holidays as perhaps our peers did and not buying the big hi-fi that our peers were, were buying, uh, we managed to save that money. And okay. so that was, that was the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is... I think that today we might have pursued crowdfunding, but yeah. uh, then we went to angel investors. And w- I was uh, fortunate that we had some clients from Bain and Company who were industrialist entrepreneurs themselves who sp- supported the opportunity. And we raised £650,000 to do the first restaurant and then to roll it out from there to create okay. a model. So. That's how we did it. Um, I think if someone is starting out today, um, I would. I definitely think that crowdfunding is an amazing opportunity. And we gave away half the company for uh, that £650,000. Yeah. And if you look at some of the valuations on crowdfunding, people give away much less than that today. Um, yeah. So I think that probably, you know, we were sort of born 10 years too, too, too early. <laughs> do, you, do you ever regret giving away that much? Well, I, I, yeah, having studied Taoism, then I've worked out that the past and the future don't they don't exist anymore. So I'm, I'm trying to not have regrets. <laughs> There's that movie. You've seen that movie? I can't remember which one it is, where the that kid gets in America gets a tattoo, and it says "No regrets," spelled R E G R A T S, and it's like not even one 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 letter of regret. But, um, so yeah, whenever <laughs> I think about no regrets, I think about that film and the no regrets. Uh, uh, tattoo that guy had. So no, cool. I, we try not to regret. Um, it's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it, tell me about your first door. Where was it? Um, it was in Carnaby Street. Okay. And we wanted to be right in the thick of the competition. We mm-hmm. didn't want to be running away uh, and testing something in a vacuum because that wouldn't be a good test. Mm-hmm. So we thought that given the fact that we were trying to create the future of fast food or fast food in heaven, we thought we have to be good to that principle, good to that central organising idea. So therefore, we have to be where a McDonald's would have been previously. We had to be right between, say, as we were, it happens at the time, a Pret, a Starbucks, and right in the thick of both business and leisure. And we thought we have to just throw ourselves in at the deep end and test it right in a, in a way that is a true test. Okay, so you had this kind of very specific aesthetic. Yeah. How did you kind of decide on that aesthetic and how important is it to the brand and how much has it changed? Well, it's changed. And then in some ways we've gone back to what we had before, actually. Okay. Um, so to answer your first question around how does that get set, we have um, the, the, Nick Park. I, 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 I've told the story a couple of times, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's the correct story. It's the story that I've heard about Nick Park. <laughs> being flown to America to pitch um, the chicken run. And okay. he was flown across in a jet and he was presented to this big board at a studio. Mm-hmm. And they said, OK, Nick, tell us your idea. And he said, OK, right, well, uh, it's like the great escape, but with chickens. <laughs> and they went, OK, go on, keep, keep going. They go, no, 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 that's it. And they, that's it. And then they had a little chat and they said, OK, we'll buy it. Uh, and I think for us, it was if God did fast food or fast food in heaven, that was the thing that drove anything, everything. You know, as soon as we were stuck... Instead of like putting a hand up and asking the teacher, we sort of went back to that principle of, okay, what would it be like? Okay, so it would have a very natural, beautiful, earthy backdrop. Mm -hmm. And we were very much guided by the idea of 
how can you tell someone, how can you, instead of telling someone you're funny, how can you make them laugh? Mm -hmm. That's something I've nicked off my mate Richard from Innocent. But um, (laughs) it's basically the idea of how can you get implicit communication through the branding without saying, come try our world famous, healthy, delicious Mediterranean fast food. Yeah. So how do we say all of that without saying it? And so the, the, the thing that really drove us was the idea of fruit packaging. So when you buy fruit and it's beautiful and it's got sort of, you can see the business card here, it's got an orange on it. Yeah. Um, that is basically around saying, look, we haven't made this in a factory. It's not a pot noodle, but it is a Leon. It's a Del Monte slash Leon orange, right? So what I does that I should interrupt mean? by saying yeah. that the business card has a lovely hand holding an orange with two little leaves on it. Oh, thank you for t- I feel transporting like we should it. That's kind of, describe should, it. You're good. It's about microphone skills. Yeah, well, you're it's very good. Well done, you. well done, you. Well done. Well done. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so the idea was to take the fruit packaging imagery to implicitly say Mediterranean, to implicitly say natural, implicitly say healthy, and so the backdrop of the restaurant really mirrors our boxes. So, if you look at a Leon box, it is a brown box with hopefully a beautiful sticker overlaid onto it, the same way you'd see on an orange. Mm-hmm. So, we we wanted to replicate that with concrete, wood, plaster in the restaurant, and then overlay these very bold in contrast images onto it reminiscent of fruit packaging and that was that was really came back to this idea of what would fast food be like in heaven it would be like that but it's quite personal to you as well the the aesthetic cuz i mean your family photos are all over the walls yes yes it, i mean leon is my dad um we didn't exactly we, we didn't sort of set a about to name it after my dad but mm-hmm. we thought okay it's a nice name he's a, he's a nice guy uh, he <laughs> happens to have Italian heritage so there's that sort of like Mediterranean vibe going on plus I liked the, the film about the assassin yeah. um, and so we wanted a name that didn't mean anything but also was personal to us so you know, we okay. didn't want to call it Neutralicious <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so uh, you know, we wanted to call it something very very sort of I mean, in fact a friend of mine uh, ran a business um, and he was phoned by a company and they said Look, we're going to do America would you like to do Europe and the rest of the world. And he said, well, what are you going to do? He said, well, we're going to sell books just like you. And he said, well, what are you going to call yourself? And they said, well, we're going to call ourselves Amazon. And he's like, oh, I don't think so. No one's going to know what that is. We, we're called the EuropeanBookstore.com. Everyone knows what we do. Why would we want to partner with you? So anyway, so we learned from that mistake, my friend. And we decided we, we wanted a name that didn't mean anything at all. Yeah, I mean... Not the worst because Amazon. But, you know, you get the point. You yeah, the point, yeah, I do, I do, I do. Um, okay, um, um, and you mentioned there that you've, um, I mean, you've got a lot of books. We've got a lot of books, David. A lot of, books, David. Of, books, a lot of cookbooks. It is a lot of books, David. And you've got also got other kind of products, haven't you? Yeah, we've got, we've got um, a whole range of cookware and, and tableware and kitchenware in, uh, in John Lewis, which we love, uh, and who we love, um, and um, some other stuff, what we've got. I think, no, that, that's the main thing. We've got a, a whole range. If you go to a lot of... John Lewis's this Christmas, obviously, um, ju- you know, just buy twenty or thirty items. That's my <laughs> that's my advice. It's the only real true way to you know that and stealing office stationery is the only true way to happiness. I've Absolutely. discovered. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but how do you choose what what you're going to do? Like, how do you choose those kind of? Oh, it's products? extremely strategic. Yeah, yeah extremely. Um, if we think it's like a fun idea, we do it. Okay, I mean, no, 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 no. We I tell you what it is. We, it's we it, we. You know, there was an experiment they've done once where they, they let someone alone in a room and they said, press the button whenever you want to and we're going to come back in an hour, right? And they looked at how many times they pressed the button and they'd had a brain scan on them and they worked out that the intuition decided to press the button and then immediately after the rational brain post-rationalised and pretended to itself that it had made the decision to press the button, right? <laughs> and that's how we do strategy, right? We have a very, very, when the board asks, we have a really, really, really 
clear reason that we did things. And someone once said to me that JP Morgan said, everyone's got a good reason for doing something, mm -hmm. and then there's the real reason. So you know, we're, all really, we're, all, we're all really very good at inventing good reasons why it's good to do stuff with John Lewis. But, and the, and the, but the, the, the good reason we tell ourselves is it's all about making it easier for everyone to eat and live well. So, and, and also the other thing is to... to give people in the team a creative outlet so okay. you know people what people have spending so much time you know designing the interiors or designing the artwork joe in particular who who was the main creative force behind the john lewis stuff she wanted to do mm -hmm. that so okay. that was us okay you know we love you we want that you to have that creative outlet it makes sense because it's helping everyone eat and live well do it are there any products that you've gone yeah maybe we should have done that i do sometimes wonder whether the world needs another cookbook do you know what I mean? I think <laughs> I sometimes wonder that, but then my husband buys another yes, one, and it turns out yes. we do need it. Yes, yeah. So I think I, th I, th I, th I was at another book launch yesterday, and by an amazing woman who I love very much. Um, and I was thinking, I love her book cookbook. I'm going to cook one of these recipes, and then it's going to sit on the on the, uh, on the on the shelf. But I think what I do like about our recipes is and, and the books is I do hear that for quite a lot of people they become a default, they become a something they use a lot, and that's good. Um, I don't, I, I, we are looking at consumer products. We are looking at, as I say, going international with Leon. Mm -hmm. For me, you have to, as I said before, you have to act like water. You have to try things. You have to try things in a way that don't bet the farm. You have to learn from trying those things. And although we, we tend not to use military analogies, we try and avoid them because they're overused in business. Yeah. Um, there is a book uh, called Great by Choice that one chapter talks about firing bullets, then cannonballs. And so we, you know, we, try and, we try and replace that with the water metaphor. But for some of the more military-minded listeners, um, <laughs> uh, firing bullets, then cannonballs is a way to think about it. Um, I mean, you mentioned going to the US there, so let's talk about that. Um, I feel like the US is the most saturated fast mm. food market on earth. Mm. Why choose the US rather than, say, France? Well, I think, good good question. We, we, we would like to try France, and we are okay. looking at France. Um, for us, it comes back to what is the natural business that one is in and what therefore based on that business definition is the mm -hmm. right size you have to be to be successful so if i believed that we were in a national the correct business definition was national fast food um and i do genuinely believe that casual dining is a nation by nation country by country market by market business where actually it is difficult to go from one country to another yeah um like pizza express would probably Maybe find it a bit difficult in America. Um, Olive Garden would probably find it, which is an American chain, might find it difficult in the UK. For me, looking at the competitor set, looking at the capability set, fast food is an international business. So therefore, the, the winner in good fast food will probably be global in 20 years' time. And they will be um, part of what would be then the new replacement for millennial consciousness. Um, yeah. I, f I find that you know there are two types of businesses that tend to be international. One is luxury goods, because posh people travel you know a lot. Um, and the other one is youth brands, where mm -hmm. either through social media or through gap year or, <laughs> or through sort of like travel. You know those are the two times you travel and you don't go to Cornwall or. Or Greece with the, with the kids, right? <laughs> so it's before you got kids, and it's after you got kids, or it's the, the you know the businesswoman or businessman traveling, you know, buying their Johnny Walker Blue Label everywhere. Those are really the two international <laughs> Drinking segments. Drinking alone in yeah, the hotel. Exactly, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But the the um, so for me, a youth brand 
uh, which fundamentally fast food needs to be, they will end up being international, the way that Starbucks has become international or um, maybe something like um, uh, McDonald's or KFC or Burger King is international. So I'm, I'm making a bet that because we're in fast food, we have to win in the biggest fast food country okay. because if we don't, in 20 years' time, if we're the kind of the British fast food brand and there is an established American fast food brand, they will have the scale benefits to beat us in maybe in France or China mm -hmm. or Japan or Australia. Etc. Etc. So you have to break them down first. We have to break them down. Now that is my post-rationalised <laughs> thing. The real reason is I think it's really nice and sunny. It and is people nice. are quite positive. But I've tried to post-rationalise it for you. I've had a go. Are you not a bit scared of Trump? Um, do you know what? Um, I, what can he do to me? I don't know. Apart from nuke, make <laughs> sure mean, that knows. North Korea nukes <laughs> drops a bomb above the Pacific. Um, I don't know. Am I afraid of Trump? I don't know. What can I do about it? Um, yeah, I fair. think. Um, I think I'd like to meet him. I know people that have met him, and they they say he's actually on in, on balance a complete maniac. Okay. Uh, so uh, <laughs> worried so, about what yeah. you're going to say. Just <laughs> so um, <laughs> so not very reassuring <laughs> for the people that have met him. I mean, I mean, God, 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 he's got to have a heart, hasn't he? I mean, no. no. I mean, oh God, I don't know. I think um, I, I think it'll be interesting to meet him, just trying to work out what is going on. Yeah. Um, but I just love his handshake. I would just love to do a Macron handshake and to practice and to see if I could <laughs> yank him towards me the way he seems to yank other people towards him. I think that would be fun, wouldn't it? You're quite tall, You'd actually. Practice. He's quite tall. I could as do well, a bit of a so... yank, couldn't yeah, I? I, think I mean, he's a yanker, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, let's not go too far. Away, <laughs> <right>. um, <laughs> One um, of life's yankers. So, how are you funding your move into the US? So, we have. Um, we have a fantastic relationship with a uh, what you might call a challenger bank called Oak North, which is really, and their tagline is, is, is absolutely true to what they do. They are a bank for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And, and they're City AM Bank of the Year. Are they? I, do you know what? Yes. I genuinely didn't know that. They are the most wonderful bank. I have to say our, our day banking is done with HSBC, and we still love them from that perspective. Yeah. But Oak North have been a fantastic bank to us. Henry is that he's stepping aside, your business partner. Um, how do you feel about that? Well, he, he, it happened three years ago, so I'm okay, okay. with it. Okay. Yeah. So he told you yeah. three years ago. It was more. It was a joint. It was a joint decision. Okay. Um, I was. He and I were joint CEOs for four years. Mm -hmm. Then he was sole CEO. I would say for about another four years after that, mm -hmm. and then I came back and um, we agreed I'd come back and do food. Okay. That was about six years ago. Um, then um, I it was agreed that I would run the restaurants, and then it was agreed that I would become CEO. And I think it's it, we think about ourselves as kind of giant haystacks and big daddy, which some of your listeners might be a bit uh, young to remember World of Sport, but they were basically two pretty fat wrestlers that I used to watch when uh, we were growing up in the seventies, and. Um, I think we think about the tag teaming nature of what is right for the company right now. And it might be that in future it's right for Henry to run the company. But what we decided is that about four years ago, three and a half years ago, that it was right for me to run it for a period. Um, okay. And that is something that we both came to. We took counsel from uh, the board. We took counsel from friends. We took counsel for the, for the investors. Um, Henry is doing really well with a company called London Union, uh, which does Dinorama, Street Feast, and 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 uh, brands like that. And it is uh, Henry is a fantastic business partner. And even today, 
or even over the weekend, I probably rang him three times for advice. Um, he's kind of help, you know, phone a friend type type support. Um, but it, we, we worked out you could probably only have one person flying the aeroplane at once. Um, and that happens to be me right now. But I might have to go for one of those naps that the pilot has to go for. <laughs> <laughs> those little cabins. It's quite an interesting yeah. way of doing it. Because yeah. you do often get business partners who are kind of pulling each other oh, well, in opposite I, directions. Yeah, if you read the, um, the book, which is called Grind, Grinding It Out, about the founder of McDonald's, Ray Kroc. Well, no, mm. no, no, see, ironically, he's not the founder, was he? But it, yeah. He was the person that wanted to pretend he was the founder. Um, he and one of his colleagues... I think it was a finance guy ended up tearing McDonald's apart because two tribes were created, mm-hmm. and there was there was the odd time when I was doing food and and operations when it would almost become like Henry's team and John's team, and that was not something we set out to do. It was just a, an energetically different type of leadership that both of us have um, that ended up people say, people thinking, okay, well they they do that, they go on well-being retreats, we don't. Do you know what I mean? So it yeah. was just a question, okay, let's standardise this, let's get one company, one culture. And although we got we got nowhere near the kind of the, the things that you read about in grinding it out, the McDonald's book, we just saw early signs of that, and we thought, okay, let's let's sort this out, let's have one clear. Uh, they're going to be one Highlander right now. I want to talk about school lunches. Do you? Yeah, it's let's not something we often talk about <laughs> on this podcast. But are you, I mean, you and Henry both did a lot of work on government oh, did, yeah. school lunches. Yeah, Tell did, me did, did, about that. So a lot of your listeners will remember um, the, Sir, Sir Jesus, Jamie Oliver, did a lot of work <laughs> on this. Uh, and he did a fantastic, fantastic job of raising awareness and also got really stuck in as well. Um what happened was there had been a little bit of a fight uh, between um, everyone's favourite, Michael Gove, and um, and Jamie Oliver. And um, in that PR battle, probably, I don't know who's going to win that. I don't know who's going to win the battle between Michael Gove and Jamie Oliver. I mean, you decide. Um, but what had happened was uh, Michael Gove had, had, had really a very clear policy that he wanted to pursue Lord Adonis's uh, new Labour's uh, plans to make more schools academy and michael's idea was i'm going to instead of having 12 binders of things of, of things you have to do mm-hmm. i'm going to take it down to a very small contract the byproduct of that was that he did away with a lot of the regulations and rules that jamie oliver had fought hard to get in so jamie was not comfortable with that and not happy with that so it was our job as kind of like this giant sort of marriage guidance kind of um, <laughs> task was to try and plot a course where we could deliver what the government wanted but also make sure that Jamie and more importantly the little children uh, and the pupils were happy yeah. and I think it was a good piece of work um, we we were asked to do a report and we said no we're going to do a plan that means that you okay. have to sign everything off before we publish it not oh, here's, a, here's a report tell us in nine months time buried what you think of our little report yeah. it has to be a plan that all sounds great. Thanks, but why? <laughs> like, why bother? Oh God, you've got a successful business. Why bother uh, helping you know the government? What? It's, there were times when I would wake up on a Sunday morning, or we would wake up on a Sunday morning, and someone like Janet Street Porter who would write some piece of crap about us that was entirely wrong, entirely like vitriolic, made us mm-hmm. sound like we were villains, and. It was. There were times we were thinking, "Why are we bothering?" You know. But then, but then, uh, two minutes later, you think, "Well, we've got to get through this stuff because that's what." You know, we've got to show the backbone that shows we can make this successful despite Britain's media system being often based on stuff that isn't true. I mean, there was one newspaper, I won't name it, Daily Mail, uh, where um, (laughs) basically there were two sets of headlines that were entirely 
false. Yeah. So on the day that uh, Free School Meals went live, the headline said, on this day of Free School Meals, big, big font, 80% of all children will not get the food. Right? So that was the headline. So if you're walking past the garage, the new stand, newsstand, that's what the message you get, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. no. Let's clarify the story on page 28. <laughs> was in one borough, for one week... 80, only 20% of kids are going to get it. Oh, but so that means that 99.9% of all children on this amazingly executed, well done DFE program, we're going to get it. But yeah. that's not the story. So so there are, there's a lot of, I, I would encourage people to really, really, really not believe what they, from what they read. Uh, but so there were times when we thought, what, why are we doing this? But then, you know, it, it becomes a vocation. It becomes like that joke about like, the Queen Mother that best men put in their speeches. But um, it becomes the it becomes uh, something you have to do rather than something you choose to do, if that makes sense. It becomes something you yeah. think, we've, we've given this, it's a great opportunity to to do some good, hopefully. And it's it's rare, as soon as, as soon as we saw how badly screwed up government is and how they don't communicate to people in the sector and how also various different elements of the sector were creating political bodies that fed their own political ends rather than the children, you just think, oh, this is screwed up. We've got to change it. And I, I think we did change it. I think it's a good. I think it was a good piece of work. Did we always enjoy it? Were there times when I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go to Doncaster when I had some issues in, in some of the London restaurants? No, there were times I didn't enjoy it. But that's yeah. not that. I wasn't. I, we didn't do it to enjoy it. Uh, so would you do it again? Uh, no. Okay. I would in maybe in ten years' time, maybe have the energy to take to to, to take a similar thing uh, and improve it. Um, I think I think things like the NHS need looking at. I think that hospital food needs looking at. I think there are various things that need looking at that I would be delighted in a fantasy world to try and help out on. Okay. But kind of not yet. I'll uh, phone Michael Gove. Mm-hmm. Um, Brexit, mm-hmm. good or yeah, bad? Oh, Brexit, good or bad? Brexit. Um, I think it's. I've no idea whether okay. Brexit is good or bad. And I don't, I know that there are lots of people that are prepared to take uh, one stance or the other. And I am, uh, I know people within our industry that are very split. There's the guy that runs Weatherspoons who is very... He loves uh, Brexit. Yeah, he loves Brexit. He um, loves it. And there are people that don't love it. Um, I believe, uh, it's, on the one hand, I think that it's going to be... Do you want... I, when I go to Greece and I see the corruption in Greece and I see how the tax system is abused, it kind of makes you think, do, does it make sense to be in the same effectively, the same federal entity as some of those countries? Because that's a little bit like Leon, for example, being in one giant company that also owns McDonald's and KFC. And you lose, you lose some level of autonomy. Um, I do believe that uh, we are going to suffer with... At Leon, for example, uh, and in our catering industry from not having access to fantastic people from the European Union, and they have massively enriched our culture at Leon. I think it's wonderful when I go into a restaurant and I see a young Italian with a young Spanish person, a young you know, person from um, uh, another European country. And it's the most amazing cultural melting pot. I love it. And they're learning and probably future wars are going to be... Um, you know, prevented because people see that people from Germany haven't got seven heads. Um, so I think that's great. Um, 
I also think that autonomy, ownership and accountability within a country is also really good. People point to Australia and give that as an example, but Australia is really just this kind of like balloon basket held together by strings attached to China and, and other parts of Japan and other parts of Asia. So that's not a great analogy. What I do believe is that Brexit will be good if we make it good and it will be bad if we make it bad. So I think that we've now got to get on with it and have more positivity, more can-do attitude and make sure we do, at the end of it, have a really positive relationship with Europe if we can. Um, I just think we've got to get on with it and make it positive. Cool. Um, Final question. What's next for Leon? So US IPO? Yeah, yeah. oh IPO no. Um I not I don't know, I'm not sure I could do an IPO. I'm not I'm not sure I've quite got the right character for that actually. <laughs> um for, for next for Leon is really um doing expanding more in the UK and I think can I can but whenever someone says, Oh, I really like Leon I sort of think, so. oh, no, don't look yet. It's not my best work. I haven't finished. It's like, you know, doing a drawing. Haven't finished yet. Don't look. So, you know, I, I, I've got massive plans for uh, the menu um, around doing stuff that really pushes the taste good, does you good. And I've got big plans in terms of how we get involved more broadly. I'm fascinated by how we link the needs of the planet with the needs of the six seven billion people that live on the planet from a nutrition and sort of well-being perspective and a, a sort of uh, how how we live on this planet it's not going that well is it from that perspective so i would be really really keen to be able to somehow through you know we have solar energy um powering all of our restaurants for example i just want to see more and more of that and businesses take more and more of a proactive view to how we can match the needs of mother earth with mothers and dads and sons and daughters and stuff like that so that's that's really the big challenge that we we're looking to take on now great well john thank you so much for coming thank you well guys that's it for this week don't forget to follow us on at unregulated pod for updates if you enjoyed this week's show, please take two minutes to like, subscribe, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. It helps other people to find the podcast. With thanks to John, Catch, who was producing this week, and Hockletree and White City Place, this has been the Unregulated Podcast and we will see you next Tuesday. Bye.